Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves and I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Community Church with campuses in Abbotsford and Mission and Tri-City mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm joined today by Thalia, yes, my co-host. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, she's a pastor of care here at Northview. Yep. And by Andy and Steve. So why don't you guys introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Andy Steiger. It's good to be here. Hi, this is Steve. I'm Andy's bond servant at Apolitics Canada. Uh, <laughs> Do you have like the owl, the, the earring and everything that talks oh, yeah, about you being the bond servant in scripture? Yeah. And you <laughs> actually we, have we, to... We tattooed him. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. You have to say Steve Kim, because we got a few Steves around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the executive pastor is Steve Weens. That's so. right. I, I sometimes will get uh, emails that were meant for Steve Weens coming to my inbox mm-hmm. and emails, especially this one is more common. Sometimes I'll get emails that's meant for Kim Campbell. Oh, yeah. Come to my email yeah. address. Oh, because of Steve Kim. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. My husband laughs at me, Mark does, because awesome. when I go home, I say everybody's first and last name together. Because yeah. if the name is like Steve or Heather or John, there are so many. So I yeah. can't just say the first name because I'll get all mixed up as to who I'm talking about. He has no clue. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Steve yeah. Kim is I in the house. Help. I get the Crystal LaForest emails. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah. Do you really? Yeah. And then stuff dropped off my desk for children's ministry because they said, give us a crystal. <laughs> like, wrong one. Well, I just get confused for any bald guy on That's style. right. Yeah. You yeah. and Andy. Oh. Or sorry, you and uh, From Kyle. Kyle to Ezra. <laughs> Ezra? I kid you not. <laughs> How's that, how is that possible? That is it's not possible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're an Andy because we already have a few Andrews. Yeah. Makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really helpful. So why don't you guys tell us beyond your names, a little bit about yourselves, uh, your family, your jobs, that kind of stuff, so people know who you are. Yeah, uh, well, I'm married to, to Nancy. I, we work together here at, at Northview. We have two kids, a 10-year-old named Tristan and an 8-year-old named William. And we started coming to, to Northview uh, a number of years ago. I, I founded uh, Apologetics Canada. And, you know, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a, in a moment. But yep. uh, then uh, we, we did that for three years and then got into a conversation with Northview about uh, coming on staff as their young adults pastor and doing Apologetics Canada at the same time. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. Uh, and, and then that came together. And so we've been here for over five years now, been doing Apologetics Canada for eight years. Uh, and so that's that's a little bit of of our story. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Came up here to Canada to go to school. Met and Nancy. married a beautiful Canadian girl, and yeah. I've been here ever since. She's fantastic. And you were down yeah. in the states for a bit, doing a master's mm-hmm. degree though, too, right? Yeah, yeah, in Los Angeles at Biola. Yeah, and then yeah. when you came back here, that's when you started Apologetics Canada. Is that right? Uh, yeah, eight but, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I had I'd been in ministry for uh, since 2001, uh, as soon as Nancy and I got married. So, been in ministry for long time now. Yeah. Lots mm-hmm. of different hats in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Steve? Well, uh, I was born and raised in South Korea, uh, came to the Vancouver area uh, with my family back in 1993, at the tail end of 1993. Um, been here ever since. Um, I was 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am married to Sharina. Uh, we have two kids, four year, uh, a four-year-old girl named Maya and a two-year-old named Tavin. Uh, and yeah, I, um, 
I got into apologetics because I just couldn't answer some of these objections and questions that were coming my way from my mm. high school friends. Okay. In fact, at some point I, I walked away from my faith because I didn't know how to handle these things. Mm. And then I came back around and I thought to myself, man, like if somebody had just taught me just a little bit of apologetics when I was mm. in high school, I could have saved myself a lot of grief. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, if I went through that, chances are somebody else is. Absolutely. And I want to help. Yeah. Right? So that's why I got into apologetics, went down to the same school Andy did, uh, to Biola University. I, I did it from here, though, with there's a long-distance program. Okay. And, okay. and that was part of the deal when I came to work for Andy. He said, you got to do your master's, right? So I was like, well, this is this is the uh, most kind of a logical decision mm-hmm. or choice for me So yeah. at the time. So that's what I did. I got my master's in Christian apologetics. Um, yeah, I, I actually met Andy when he had his second Apologetics Canada conference and uh, came to talk. I was considering going to school for apologetics at this point, so I asked him about some options. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't remember me from that point, but I remember. <laughs> I still don't remember yeah. that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you have amnesia about that event. Just a few hundred people yeah, come to you, yeah, Andy, yeah, to right. talk. You That's know. right. And I remember on our drive back home, my wife and I were talking and, and she's just, I remember her saying, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if you ended ended up working for Andy? And I remember saying to her, yeah, but he's probably way too busy for, you know, to pay me any attention, like me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, you know, the following summer we started talking and before long I was following him around everywhere and I ended up working for him. So, so you have to give us a little bit of a background in terms of what is apologetics. Some people think it's giving an apology for your faith. So I know that's not what you mean. So yeah. give us a little bit of a definition. We hear that a lot. Uh, no, it doesn't have anything to do with apologizing. Even the word apology actually comes from the Greek word apologia, which means you actually give a defense uh, or you make uh, a case for whatever it is that you believe in. And so in 1 Peter 3.15, where Peter says, always be ready to give an answer, and that, that word, to give an answer, is the word apologia. Mm-hmm. And that word is actually still in use today in Greece, okay. uh, in the court of law, when mm-hmm. uh, when the lawyer stands up to make a defense for the defendant. Okay. That's the word that they still use today, apologia. And so it's basically, I put it this way, we're basically in the business of teaching people why they believe what they believe. Yeah. That's the kind of the That's simple nice, clear way to definition. put it. Yeah. yeah. And for all age groups, that's great. But specifically, I think for the young adult group, it's just yeah. a great fit, right? Because they're in that place of really questioning and they're wondering if the church has answers for their questioning. Yeah, there's something that I, I really began to realize was a need uh, in the church. In particular, it's kind of interesting. Those in the 50 plus category tend to have a negative view or did yeah. have a negative view of apologetics. I was going to ask about that because it has a bit of a bad rap, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and many, most of the, you know, I'd say the first three years of me doing Apologetics Canada was just trying to win people over, yeah. Christians, yeah, mm-hmm. over to that apologetics is important. Apologetics for apologetics, basically. Yeah, I was giving, <laughs> yeah, and an apologetic for apologetics. Uh, and, and that surprised me that I'd need to do that. So what was the reasons people had a bad I think that they had mouth. seen it done poorly in the past. Right. They had seen it uh, argumentative, uh, that, that it was about, you know, having having uh, debates with people. And, and so it just left for many, and not just having a debate, but 
doing it poorly. It wasn't, you like know, it, Peter it, says, you know, to give an apologia, but do it winsomely. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, and, and you, when you see it done non winsomely, you know, uh, and somebody's rude and trying to humiliate their opponent, that kind of thing. Yeah. It, right. it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And yep. I think a lot of older people had seen that in the past. Yeah. And what I've seen is that it seems holier if we just believe like if we question or doubt or ask these deep questions, it seems like we're less holy and less Christian. And mm-hmm. there has been a flavor for many years where people want to squelch their children who are now young adults or adults and mm-hmm. say, don't ask questions, just believe. Yeah, and, But it's not enough for many of us. Well, part of the problem was the word faith has lost its meaning or original meaning. It, it, it's kind of a long story, but we, we started adopting this idea of a blind faith and then you're right. There yeah. was there was almost this kind of bravado to you know adopting that kind of nonsense, yeah. uh, which the Bible never advocates for. Uh, the word faith uh, in a biblical context is is more probably apt to the word trust. And so I've I've defined faith as trusting what you have good reason to believe is mm, true. That's good. And that's what you constantly see in the Bible, particularly with the disciples. When they would share the gospel, it was always done in a way where they wanted to to convince you. Even mm-hmm. the way you read the gospels, the way they're written. Yeah, they're put together in a way to be convincing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that I want to tell you about this Jesus guy and about how he died and how he rose again. And you need to do something about that. You, yeah. You've got to wrestle with that and that's going to lead to some life conclusions for yeah, you yeah. right and that's an that's an argument uh, they're giving a, a a reason why you should put your faith yeah. in jesus it's what, an apologetic for jesus yeah. especially uh for example the gospel of john at the end he's very specific about why he wrote this mm-hmm. he said i wrote this so that you might believe might in him come and have to believe life in yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. And what that was his apologetic yeah what we've seen among our teenagers and young adults is that when there is permission and space in their family to ask the tough questions and come to like nursery young adults and ask those questions or to apologetics they grow in their faith they uh, sort of like buy into church more they're here more invested in community because their questions are heard but when they're squelched they just get frustrated and run away yeah, so that was the interesting part for young adults is there is a need, a desire, an interest in apologetics because they live in a hostile culture that's constantly oh, yeah. challenging them. Yeah. So there's a confusion for them going, why Why is this older crowd not interested in this apologetics thing? I'm barely surviving here. Yeah. I need in university. This. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so so what we're seeing though now is we've, we're more and more convincing the older group that's not done poorly and, and reintroducing them to doing it properly. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, helping young adults yeah. in a very hostile culture, so that they can a have room for asking questions, uh, but then also realize that there's not only are there good answers, but Christianity has a robust intellectual tradition yeah, yeah. of asking deep questions and answering them. Yes, yeah, we don't have to be scared of it. No, not at and all. Even just that knowledge gives people confidence that oh, I can press in to try and figure this out because other people, other really good thinkers, have done this before. Yep. And that's been throughout the history of the church, right? If you read early church fathers, they were apologists because they had to deal with all kinds of heresies coming in from every direction, whether it was Arianism or Docetism, everything. But I mean, we, and we can even go up though into the enlightenment. And this is the part that will really shake some people is when you start reading people like Newton, or you read people like Descartes, and the list is long. 
they saw themselves as apologists. Hmm. Newton wasn't interested in physics just for physics. They they had theological uh, reasons motivating the science they were doing, hmm. or Descartes, the philosophy or epistemology they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that when you go back and read that, uh, it really starts to surprise you because because a lot of that has been hidden from from people in our culture today, uh, in a secular culture that kind of wants to pretend that people in the past weren't as religious as in fact they were, and that yeah. you know things like science and philosophy has such um, uh, uh, a debt to Christianity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. Christians that started asking these questions because they could of the world, right? Because mm-hmm. they could see that there was a good creator. And so that we kind of figure out how he did this. And yeah. that's an interesting thing too, I, uh, not to get too far astray on this, but just to think about the fact that the everything from the Reformation to the Enlightenment was actually Christians. It was Christians that challenged the church that led to the Reformation. It was Christians yeah. that that challenged uh, the the status quo uh, the, with regards to the university and whatnot, and the power of the church that led to the Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting that people forget that. Yeah. yeah. So well, there's we, a, yeah. we oh, just don't know it. It's mm-hmm. not taught in churches or history classes until. Yeah. Like more recently, so yeah. uh, one of the things that I, I try to do as I do apologetics, especially on the history side of things, is that I find that a lot of young adults and youth are actually kind of ashamed of the church and, and, and yeah. its history. Yeah. And um, when when I went to Bible school, I mean, I, I loved my school, but one of the things that I thought was lacking was this kind of intentional. Um, fostering of the love for the church. We were so busy critiquing the church that we didn't actually develop a love for the church. And many of them became, many of the students became cynical. Um, But as I studied history, I just saw just how big an impact the church has had in the areas of medicine, like the hospital movement was a Christian thing, yeah. right? Uh, and the science, modern science was birthed in the cradle of medieval Europe, you know, and all, all these things. And the social reforms, like the whole welfare system and all right. these pieces, yeah. And so, uh, and that really kind of helped me kind of look at the church in a way that made me go, you know what, I'm actually proud to be a Christian. I'm actually proud to be a member of the church. Yeah. Let's talk about a variety of the ways that apologetics works to convince people about their faith. So you have an apologetics podcast. Mm -hmm. You have a book, The Thinking Series, Andy. Mm -hmm. You have the conference coming up, which you're going to talk about in a moment. You have a course, I think, online, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe we could start with a podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Maybe some of your favorite episodes or things like that. This is a promo. This is your time to (laughs) chat. Well, let me let me just say this about apologetics, and I'll throw it over to Steve for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's his baby; he loves it. <laughs> uh, I tolerate the podcast. Uh, with apologetics, it's important for people to understand that it happens in in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. I actually see apologetics. Steve and I are probably a little different in this regard. I see apologetics more for the church. Okay. Uh, Steve views it a little more evangelistically than I do. Okay. Uh, and but I would see that both are necessary. Yes. Mm-hmm. So apologetics is necessary for the Christian, and it's also necessary for the non-Christian. Yes. However, I'm also cognizant of the fact that apologetics isn't for everyone. No. And necessary for everyone. For example, I have a neighbor uh, that it wouldn't have mattered how much I gave argumentation for God's existence. It, it just wasn't the questions he was asking. Or, yeah. 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 It wasn't until they were in crisis and they needed somebody to pray for them that all of a sudden they were interested in God. I mean, that, right. it works like that. However, with people like that and they come to faith, maybe through a situation of suffering, 
when they come to faith, they now need to know who this God is. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And and now this is an apologetic work. You're let, you're helping them to understand who this God is in founding that faith. So uh, this kind of leads into the podcast because uh, with the podcast, we're we're seeking to uh, engage with what's going on in culture mm-hmm. that strengthens the faith and also introduces people to the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we have a weekly podcast. We release it every Thursday or Friday, depending. Uh, and we'll tackle different issues. Like uh, sometimes we speak into politics, ethics, uh, just general cultural trends and things like that. Um, so we'll sometimes talk amongst ourselves or we'll bring in somebody to interview them. Uh, and so some of the podcast episodes that have been really popular, one that was really popular was when we interviewed Denny Burke mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of the whole Nashville statement controversy. Mm-hmm. We actually decided to call him because he was sort of heading the whole thing. And so we... For people that don't know who that, what the Nashville statement is, can you give a brief <coughs> summary? Yeah, sure. Excuse me. <coughs> You're dealing with that cold that everybody has, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's more of the my lungs spasming. Oh, <laughs> that happens lungs. every year. Yeah. Okay. Every year. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, Andy has to kind of deal with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you podcast with somebody every week, you know all, all of their the, all of well, their it's issues. It's February again. Yeah, Steve's exactly. going to have yeah, the lung spasm. <laughs> well, while Steve is collecting himself, my favorite recently has been the physician assisted <laughs> death, a podcast you did last week. Mm-hmm. So early February or late January with um, the MP from Ontario. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very good. I attended last year a full day on the maid uh, medical assistance in dying, and mm-hmm. that's a really relevant topic. And you've had a number of those. We as a family listened to the marijuana one. Yeah. I think it was in the summer. Or, mm-hmm. And know. one of the things I like about that, like we... W- I, I enjoyed with interviewing Harold is I wanted I wanted Christians to know, listen, there are Christian MPs yeah. that are out there that, that are fighting, you know, and, and arguing for a Christian worldview yeah. within the politics. And, mm-hmm. and you need to know that. And, you know, here, you know, let me grab a politician, let them explain to you what's yeah. going on with this in Canada. I know. Yeah. And lots of like insider kind of insights that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. from that podcast, too. Um, just kind of quickly going back to what you were asking about, yeah. uh, for those of you listeners who are not familiar with who Danny Burke is, um, he teaches out of Boyce College down uh, in the U.S. Uh, that is the undergraduate arm of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, he was also the leader. Uh, he, he's the president of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And they were behind uh, putting together the Nashville Statement, which was a sort of a a Christian confession or evangelical confession on what we believe to be the biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, biblical sexuality. And so that got a, uh, they, they didn't expect this, but it ended up getting a lot of attention in the media. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's right. <laughs> Very current issue, right? right? Yeah. That people are facing these days. So. Because yeah. it, it spoke into homosexuality and transgenderism yep. mm-hmm. and things like that, and it just blew up. And so, with all of uh, this kind of what we thought was kind of misinformation that was going around in the mainstream media, with that, it'd be really interesting to have somebody who actually led the whole thing yeah. speaking to this, get his yeah. take on things, and that I, that episode was really popular. 
Yeah. It was he, also amusing, too, because he was driving somewhere when we were interviewing him and it was raining hard. So you could hear the rain <laughs> and the windshield wipers going yeah. in the background. Classic Denny. Uh, that guy's always on the run. Super okay. busy. Yeah. So it's just hilarious to me. One of my favorites was we interviewed a corner uh, out of the U.S. Uh, what state New, was he New from? Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Who was... Uh, just with dealing with the the epidemic of overdoses mm. in the U.S., yeah. uh, and we're dealing with that here in British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, and he was heading; he was actually um, leaving uh, that profession, heading into seminary, and wanting to do something about huh. this epidemic and stopping it uh, through, uh, you know, at the at the very fundamental level of of, of youth, yeah. you know, yeah. and people getting into before it happens, yeah. before yeah. It rather happens. than. Having to do the autopsy after a the coroner is going died. to seminary. That's, That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my that was one of yeah. my favorites. Mm. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the podcast, go and tune into Apologetics Canada. You can go through iTunes or and subscribe. It is really good. Okay, you've got a Thank few you. more things to talk about. You've got the conference coming up. Yeah, you know, for those who don't know about the conference, we st- this is one of the first things that I started when I started Apologetics Canada. Uh, people were. Uh, it was funny because some people were saying, Andy, don't bother doing a conference. Nobody's interested in conferences anymore. It was, a, you know, this was eight years ago. And back then, conferences had really died. I don't know if you remember that. They have totally died. Yeah, there was. Except there, yours. It, well, there, yeah, there was nothing going on. And then we thought, ah, oh, what the heck? We'll just give it a try. And so I, I worked with a guy named John Morrison from Coquitlam Alliance Church. And we, we said, let's do this. Let's put together a conference uh, on uh, you know, a variety of issues. And so we did, and we sold this church out with over 600 nice. people. Is and that at Coquitlam Alliance or Peace Portal? Which one, was your Co- first one at Coquitlam? Coquitlam Alliance. Okay. Yeah. And then you had a few at Peace Portal. After, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, once we sold that one out yeah. and realized not all churches are made to hold that many people for a weekend, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, yeah, breakout wise. rooms and all that kind yeah, of stuff, right? and, and bathrooms. That yeah. was the biggest thing. Yeah, uh, it might be it might be sufficient for a Sunday morning, not for all day. Yeah, uh, and so it was a bit of a disaster there uh, <laughs> with regards to the bathrooms, but. Uh, we, we, we saw not only were there a lot of people, but there were a lot of young people and it was mm-hmm. really having an impact on their lives. We mm. saw a number of people come to faith and a number of people really recommit their lives to Christ, uh, through that event. So that, that got things started. Uh, we then went, like you're saying, we went to Peace Portal cause we realized we needed a bigger church. And so this, this kind of just developed like that until, uh, Northview contacted us and said, Hey, we'd be interested in hosting the the conference, and we were in need of a larger church. So we kept growing out each church. So then we came to Northview, and we're excited to host it here because there were a lot of breakout session rooms, Mm -hmm. and it was just a good venue. Uh, We we sold out this venue, and then we decided, hey, let's do two venues. So we did Northview, and we did Willingdon at the same time. And, you know, that year we had over 2,000 people that came out. But the stress levels (laughs) of doing two Two conferences— On two locations on at our the staff. same time. Yeah, you're running people back oh and forth between locations. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was very hard. It was hard. Yeah, and uh, so we ended up. Long story short, uh, we don't. People keep asking us, "Why don't you do that anymore?" And and it's just because it's not fun. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I know that's really shameful to say, but like it, it's just too hard on us. So we've we've scaled yeah. back to just one location. And, but we do other things. Like, mm-hmm. so this year, uh, we have, you know, the conference happening here at Northview, but we also work 
uh, with other churches doing a variety of things that some people maybe don't know. So every year we go out to uh, Broadway Church with one of our keynote speakers, and we we are there for their entire Sunday services. Nice. Uh, as well, we're at Westside this year, and yep. we're doing a dialogue at Westside Church on the Thursday, and, and that's a free event. So if you know of anybody in Vancouver, you can uh, point them to that event. You can get more information at apologeticscanada.com on these events. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so we do a variety of those things. And then another thing that we do is we have a free lunch that happens here at Northview. Uh, This this year it's on the Friday of the conference at noon. And uh, you have to you have to register for that. Yep. By the way, can uh, <laughs> have five hundred people showing up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's a free event for pastors, teachers, and we bring again one of the keynote speakers in to to yeah. address them. And then we also, uh, again, this is more stuff that just people just don't know that we do. Uh, we also have an entire conference happening at Abbotsford Christian School. Oh wow! Uh, so their their entire school uh, for Friday yes. is 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 the conference. We have a number of our speakers that are going to be at that school. That same Friday? The yeah. Friday where it starts here in the evening? Yeah. Yep. Okay. At Abbotsford Christian, they're in, they're, they're in full day is doing um, a variety of different cool. breakouts. So is that sessions. their high school and middle school or just high school? What are you doing there? Uh, it, I think it's open to everybody, but I think they're actually having it at the high school. Okay. Yeah. Then That's you've gone, interesting. You've gone to SFU and UBC and stuff too mm-hmm. with different speakers at different times, right? Yeah. Different yeah. Years, we're, so. uh, we're not doing that this year, but you're, yeah, we've done... All sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, it depends on the availability of the speaker yeah. for yeah. that particular year. But yeah, yeah we've done it. And we're kind of branching out, trying different things, sure. like mm-hmm. with this high school event. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens. But the, with the conference, one of the things that's exciting that we're doing this year that's new, and so it's on March second, third. Uh, currently, that we've already. This is the part that amazes me. It continues to grow in popularity. I would have thought that we would have lost popularity at some point. And I, mean, I know it'll come eventually, but. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened yet. So we, we've we sold more tickets this year faster and more than we've sold before. Mm, that's so great. Yeah. So we're we're already at over 800 people that are registered. And Plus your max we have, is? Uh, we have room for like another 200 people. Okay. Not many. Yeah, not many. Get your tickets. And then that includes, we already, and on top of that, we have 80 volunteers that help make it run. Yeah. So we don't even let our volunteers go into the conference. No. Just to make, just to make room for people. Uh that, but this year, one of the things that we're doing that's that's interesting is on the Friday night we're ha- we're hosting a dialogue. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, a very popular radio host named Justin Briley from the United uh, from the UK. He's flying over to moderate a dialogue between Andy Bannister and Justin Trottier. And so this is going to be neat. We're going to be talking on the subject of uh, a foundation for human rights. Hmm. And I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think uh, that probably for the next three years. Uh, this will be kind of the format we'll do on the Fridays, doing a dialogue. So uh, what's happening there is Andy Bannister, he's a Christian. He's the director for Solas Center for Public Christianity out of Scotland. He used to be the Canadian director for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. So he's going to be representing the sort of Christian side of things. And then Justin Trottier, uh, he's a spokesperson for Canadian Secular Alliance. So he's coming to represent the secular humanist perspective on the foundation for human rights. So, which one is mm. the better foundation? Mm. You know, can you can you have uh, something like mm. human rights on secularism? Um, and so, we'll, we're going to be exploring some of these questions with with those two in conversation. Which I, I think is really fitting with what's going on in our culture today. Yeah. yeah, I keep getting in conversations with people, such as I was in a conversation with a nurse recently. You know, that are having water cooler conversations, yeah. such as. 
doctor-assisted suicide, yeah. right? That was legalized in Canada in 2016. And these are important conversations that are happening. And what, what I think is necessary is that you need not only to understand the Christian perspective, you need to understand the other person's perspective Absolutely. as well, yes. especially mm-hmm. on a question like human yeah. human rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so the, I think these are important conversations mm, for very. people to to understand. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward yeah. to doing this. I, I would encourage parents to really pay attention to this because I know a lot of women that are not necessarily interested in this topic for themselves, mm-hmm. but their kids need yeah. to know this. Absolutely. And so we started bringing our son when he was 13, um, and he didn't get it all. Like, a lot went over his head. But what but that's what okay. he, I know, and what he understood just lit him on fire. Like, mm-hmm. wow, I can learn, I can understand, and these are things that just brought yeah. him alive in his faith. So I would mm-hmm. say if you have a kid that wants to think and chew over things, bring them along. They won't understand mm-hmm. everything, but that's okay. Yeah, and and the thing with apologetics Canada is, I mean, we're we're a we're a, we're an organization that only has access to your kids. What like maybe an hour here, an hour there. Yeah, really, it's the parents that have access yeah. to the kids for the majority of their their um, lives at home. Mm-hmm. And so, really, what we would like to see is parents step up to the plate yeah. and actually take ownership of of their uh, the spiritual well being of their their children. Yeah. And so, even if you're not interested in some of these topics, uh, especially these days, I, I just read an article yesterday uh, talking about the millennials, mm-hmm. and and they they are increasingly identifying themselves as I'm spiritual but not religious. Um, and their sacred cow is human rights. Oh, yeah. Right? That is the one non-negotiable that they hold to. And so, uh, again, this is, a, this is a super important kind of a very close to heart sort of a thing for your child. If you have a, if you have a millennial or, or um, I mean, I, the article was talking about millennial, but I would, I, I, I I would think the youth too. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, because it has to start there. Because this is one of the things that we get all the time. So we get emails and phone calls regularly. And, and for, for example, just recently, like last month, I got one from a from a dad whose a daughter, his daughter had headed off into college. And now she's got all these questions. Yeah. Right. Totally. And he doesn't know how to answer them. And now he's asking for our help. And, and my thing is, yeah, but these are conversations you should have been having throughout her high school years or, yeah, or earlier. Yeah. Yes, to prep her. Yeah. Uh, and, and two things happen when you do that. One is we're not you're not going to give her all the answers that she's going to need, you know, for when she gets to college. But you're going to set her up with an example of where to go to find those. Yeah. And that there are answers to the questions you have. Yeah. Good point. And, and mm-hmm. those are those are important assumptions to go uh, yeah. to go into college with. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important that parents are involved in these conversations, even though they might not find this interesting to them or the questions they're asking. This is the questions your kids will be asking. Absolutely. And and it happens sooner than you think. Oh, yeah. Right. Because what you see is the symptom. You know, you see your daughter or son go off to college and all of a sudden this blows up. But really, uh, I, I hear this from experts around me. They say that they start asking these deeper questions right around the age of somewhere between twelve and fourteen, mm-hmm. right? So what happens is if you if you don't answer uh, their questions, if you don't uh, entertain their questions, what happens is they will just kind of keep their head down, yeah. Just go through the motions because well, I have to go to church on Sunday because well, my parents are going and they're making me go, yeah. Um, but 
before you know it, they have walked away from the faith. They're just going through the motions. And then once they move out of the house and go to college or university, then they feel freer to come out and say, hey, I don't believe in God or some some such thing. Right. Yeah. So it actually happens earlier than you Much might think. Much earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd say um, kind of between your two answers, I'd say um, even as parents, not feeling we have to give all the answers, but just acknowledging that these questions are there and that they're real right. and that they're going to counter them. Like, yeah. Talk about the fact that, yeah, people will talk to you about evolution. They will talk to you about creation, intelligent design, all these different pieces. So how are we going to wrestle through that, right? So even if we don't have all the specific apologetic answers, being open to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that we try doing with the conference is introducing you to what's coming. Uh, and, And so this year, for example, we're doing a series called Rethink Technology. So we're bringing in some of the best thinkers on this subject so that you can start to understand some important questions that are happening now, but are particularly going to be important down the road that deal with technology. That's good. And so they kind of, it helps you to understand what's coming and to give you an idea and resources of where to go. Okay. Well, we have a few more minutes. We need to hear about the human project. Yeah. I'd love to tell you about the human project. Uh, I've been working on uh, my PhD for a while now uh, that has kind of spawned the human project. Uh, My PhD is out of Aberdeen. Uh, The technical term for what I'm doing is I'm using Michael Polanyi's critique of a reductive ontology as a framework for theological anthropology. (laughs) Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which for most people are like, what does that mean? (laughs) But so what it means is, uh, what does it mean to be human? Uh, in particular, theologically, what yeah. does it mean to be human? And I know that might sound kind of odd, but since the Enlightenment, we've done a lot of work as Christians to wrestle with the question of Jesus' divinity, and we've done a lot of good work writing on that. And I think of like uh, the famous book by Josh McDowell, uh, More Than a Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Right? But what we need now is something different with the questions that we're dealing with, is we've got that aspect of Jesus understood, the aspect of Jesus that has gone neglected that has been neglected is his humanity. Mm. So we we are now in a phase where we need a book just called a carpenter, just a carpenter. (laughs) (laughs) And and we need to look in and understand the divinity, sorry, the the humanity of Jesus. Uh, And so in many ways, this is the human project is understanding who we are. And that's, that's only going to happen when we understand correctly who God is and particularly Jesus. The, this is a topic that I've been talking and writing on for a long time. Uh, and when I first started speaking on the subject was with uh, something called zombie culture. Yeah. So I use zombies. And the reason I did that is is in philosophy, uh, zombies are thought experiments and they've been used since the 50s mm. to help us. And, and you can even say even earlier with uh, Aristotle would use these kind of thought experiments as well. In, in that, if you want to understand what something is, sometimes it's better to understand what something's not. Okay. And so the zombies are helpful because they're a body lacking a, a soul or a person. Yeah. And then it helps us to start to think more clearly about what a person is by thinking yeah. about what a person's not. Uh, what, however, uh, I went to publish more on that and... Uh, Publishers such as Zondervan was like, ah, we, we like where you're going with all this, but zombie stuff doesn't seem to hit a broad range of right. people. And some people uh, misunderstand the idea of zombies. They think of it as demonic. Right. Mm. And okay. in our culture today, they, they don't actually, it's the exact opposite. They don't see it as demonic in the th- fact that they see it as purely materialistic. Mm. It's just physical stuff. Right. You know, a, a body is just a machine. Yes. So... Uh, 
that, that I forgot where I was going with that. Were you going to say something, Steve? No, I was just going to say, think of uh, TV shows like The Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like that's yeah. mainstream stuff right yeah. now, right? People have that zombie picture really fresh in their minds because mm-hmm. of that show. Yeah. Right. And so I was able to hit like a niche demographic, but yeah. we then realized, okay, if we're going to uh, reach a bigger uh, audience and maybe we change the focus a little bit, uh, we went with this new topic the same same idea, but something a bit more positive yeah. than negative. So, what right? kind of Which questions? Is called the human project. What kind of questions are you seeking to answer with the human project? Specifically, we're dealing with four questions: uh, What is human? What's the value of human life? What leads to human flourishing? And how should humans live? Okay. Now, one of the things that's different with this series than with the thinking series is we're starting out each session with a historical example of where things have gone wrong with these questions. Okay. And to me, this is the part that has driven me to want to do this project, is studying the history of this question. Because it might be odd to some people to go, you know, you, you know you're dealing with the question is, what is human? And the, the reality is, is when you start to study history, you realize the significance of that question, that that uh, we don't we don't see a genocide in history that wasn't first preceded by a campaign of dehumanization. Mm, right. When you no longer see a person as human, you look at this historically, you see that this is what is the foundation of slavery. Yeah. This is what the foundation the Nazi movement yeah, yeah. of genocide is. Yeah. It, it always is, comes back to this question of how are you going to define what a human being is? You're thinking back to like when the Nazis would think of the Jews as rats. Right. Right. So then they would not picture them as humans and then you could do what you wanted. And that's an important way to put it, Thalia, is that's how they saw, you know, yes, they spoke of them as rats and as a parasite, but it was more than speech. It's how they saw them. Yeah. And this actually really startled the world because when they took the Nazis to task, like in the Nuremberg trials and sought justice, they expected that they were going to have these demonic, monstrous you know, people, evil horrible, people evil on people yeah. on the stand. And instead what they saw was normal, loving fathers and mothers and husbands and wives. These were actually quite normal people Which that had a terrifying, dangerous... Right? It is. Because yeah. this could be us then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so we're and just as capable. And the distinction being that they just had a dangerously distorted worldview. Yeah. And so this becomes the human project, is this project of making sure that you have a correct perspective of what a human being is. Yeah. And so then that begins to inform who you are. And, and and we then start going from one question to the next. So what is human leads to what's the value of human life that leads to flourishing, that leads to how humans should And if be. we put it really current, well, it's been for a while, but we think of women who have the choice to kill their unborn baby or not. Mm-hmm. Because if we think of it as a cluster of tissues, that's different than if we think of it as a baby. That's right. And so right. in abortion talk, the, the baby, the child, is never referred to in those terms no, or by a name. It will always, the, the, it, notice, will always be referred to as a fetus, a yeah. clump of cells, or not referred to at all. Yeah. So you'll say, oh, it's we're going to just end the pregnancy. Yeah. Interrupt yeah. the pregnancy. We yeah. The we did a podcast yeah. that, on that last week. Yeah. And that's, that is dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, what, what I want people to begin to understand is these apologetic questions aren't just you know, helpful for your faith and, and like everything else theoretical. like that. Yeah, yeah, or theoretical. But yeah. these have real-world real implications. And some of these ideas in secularism aren't just wrong, they're dangerous. Yeah. And, and that's what gets me really interested. That, that's what got me really interested in this is I was like, you know what, church, we need to be more aware of what's going on because some, a lot of the terminology that's being adopted in our culture is dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. I think that's a good spot to end. Yeah. <laughs> as we think of that, as we think of the future of the conference going ahead mm-hmm. and what your goals are, um, Andy, why don't you just pray into that, that God would just lead and guide you and people into truth. Yeah. Uh, and I'll also just say this, uh, if you're interested in this human project, it's coming out uh, in March. It's, it'll be conference. launched at the conference. Yeah. So nice. please pray for us as well yeah. for this conference and for the launch of this video series. Yeah. And yes. if you want to learn more about the human project, go to thehumanproject.ca. Okay. Or apologeticscanada.com. Yep. Either way. Yeah. God, we thank you uh, for this podcast and the opportunity to talk on these important subjects. And in particular, God, we just pray your blessing over uh, your church. Lord, uh, Apologetics Canada, Canada is just a ministry to help the church, God. Mm-hmm. We are committed and we love the church. And we, we understand and know that this is your desire. This is what you've set us here to, to do and to be, to be a community of brothers and sisters in Christ that are united in you. And, and God, I just pray that you would help us to be committed to that, that we would that we would come to know and love you more and we'd have a clear understanding of who, who you are because we understand not only is that good for us, but in a very tangible way informs who we are as men and women made in your image. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to have a, have a correct perspective of who you are and help people to understand who you are so that we understand who we are. God, we pray over the conference, your, your blessing as we continue just to encourage people in their faith and in, introduce people to faith for the first time. And over the, the human project, God, we pray that you would just use it to the furthering of your kingdom. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us, you guys. Thank you.